All right, Jehovah, so we are finishing up the rest of Daf Tzadik Aleph, and we are picking up Emir Tzadik on the second wide line of Tzadik Aleph from Abayz 91b. Remember, again, we're trying to, we're trying to figure out who is the opinion who holds that Halacha Lamaisa, a person is permitted to go ahead and cause physical harm, physical damage to themselves. So, <coughs> excuse me. So the Gemara wanted to suggest that Allah says Rabbi Lazar, because Rabbi Lazar said if a person does kriya, a person tears their clothing in mourning for the dead, so if he does the right amount, then that's Talocha. If he tears excessively, then ultimately again, that's Bal Tashkis. So if there's a concept of Bal Tashkis, if there's a prohibition to go ahead and destroy one's clothing, then Allah has come all the more so there should be a prohibition to go ahead and destroy or physically harm one's body. To which the Gemara says, Vidilma Begadim Shaini, second line above, the second wide line, maybe clothing is different, because ultimately, again, the destruction of clothing is a loss which doesn't regenerate, it doesn't recover. Rabbi Yochanan used to call his clothing Machbadusa, Machbadusa, Rashi points out over here, are the things that give me covet. Things that give me covet. You know, it's the clothes make the man. We have this concept by the Big Day Kahuna. The Sefer Achimuch brings down that's one of the profound reasons why we have, why the Kohanim have unique bigodim, unique clothing that they have to wear during the Abodah. So number one is for the rest of us who come to the Beis HaMikdash that we should be inspired. We see a chashivas and importance. But also for the Kohanim themselves that a person who's dressed in a certain way feels differently about themselves. We know this. A day that I'm walking around in sweatpants and a t-shirt, I feel one way. A day that I'm dressed up, I, I look like a mensch. I mean, not, not the sweatpants and t-shirt, don't look like a mensch, but I'm a little bit more dressed up and I'm a little bit more put together. I feel differently about myself. So we know Yerbi Yochanan called his clothing his machbedusa, his forms of of covid. Rav Chista cut have a maski benihizmi vehigi madly lehulamani. Rav Chista used to walk around thorn bushes. He would lift up his like tunic. Why? He would say, you know, if my clothing gets cut, right, gets torn by the thorns, it's not going to regenerate, right? But if my skin gets cut, then my skin will go ahead and regenerate. So the point over here is you see that it could very well be as interesting as this is. It could very well be that maybe the destruction of clothing right, is actually more severe than destruction or, or visiting physical harm upon oneself because clothing ultimately doesn't regenerate, but physical harm can. Rather, it's the following. So remember again, the Torah is talking about over here by the Nazir. At the end of the Nazir's process, so the Torah says, So again, specifically talking about a Nazir who had a tumult exposure and has to start again, but the Torah uses the Lashen that he will find atonement because he sinned regarding the Nefesh. So the Gemara says, I don't understand what did the Nazir do wrong. So what's the Nazir's sin? is incredible. The Nazir's sin ultimately, again, is that he abstained from wine. In other words, he, he afflicted himself by not partaking of wine. If a person who just abstains from wine is called a sinner, So one who goes ahead and, one who goes ahead and is Mitzar Atzmo, one who goes ahead and causes himself additional pain, certainly is called a sinner as well. And Rabbi said that seems to be how the Gemara ends off by telling us that one is not permitted to go ahead and injure themselves. So not only is there not liability for injuring yourself, but I should say, 
even though there is no liability for injuring yourself, nevertheless, halacha one is not permitted to visit physical harm or physical damage upon themselves. Incredible. So the Gemara quotes the Mishnah, quotes niti osab. So remember again, the Mishnah gave another example, that if I go and I, I cut down, I uproot my own saplings, I'm entitled to do that, so to speak. You know, I'm, I'm allowed to do that. But yet, and that, and I'm not obviously liable damages to myself. Yet, someone else is not allowed to do that. Sigmar says, "Tani Rav Bar Rachana Kamei Rav." Sigmar says, "Shori Harakta Niti Osi Katzta Ato." Right. So I'm sorry, Katzta. So what happens? So I say, so I go over to Ruven. I say, Ruven, you killed my shar. You uprooted my saplings. And Ruven says to me, "Ata Amartali Lahargo, Ata Amartali Lakotzit." So Ruven says back, "Yeah, I did it, but you told me to do it. You told me to kill the ox. You told me to uproot the saplings. So what's the halacha potter?" Ultimately, the halacha is Ruvain's potter. So Amr lay. So, so again, so Rav said back to Rabbi Rachana, Imkain lo shafkas chaye libriyasa. Kol kamine? So I don't understand. Really? That's the way it could work? So that, that means any single time someone does damage, does damage so the, the perpetrator could turn around to the victim and say, yeah, I damaged you. You told me to do it. You told me to kill your shore. You told me to uproot your saplings. If that's the case, again, how do you ever have a system of damages which are going to be collectible? Amr alayhi saime, Surah Barbachana said, What do you want me to do? Do you want me to erase the teaching? Amr alayhi lo. Rather, what? Titargi masnisoch bishar omila harigo bilana omila katsitsa. Say that that case of Osei is talking about a shar that is supposed to be put to death. Like, let's say, for example, my shar killed someone. So now, again, or, or for that matter, again, I have a tree which was worshipped as Avodah Zara. So both of those things are omid, they are ready to be destroyed. So the case in question over here is I say to Ruven, Ruven, you killed my shar, Ruven, you uprooted my sapling. And Ruven said, Yeah, I did it, I did it. But at the end of the day, the shar was supposedly put to death and the sapling was, or the tree was supposed to be destroyed. So that's why Ruven is Patrick, because the truth is, he killed a shard that was already subject to death. He uprooted a, a tree that ultimately had to be destroyed. So in reality, Ruvain didn't damage. I says the Gemara Ihachi, my katonle. So that's a good point. If that's the case, what's my claim against Ruvain? Right? What claim do I have against Ruvain if at the end of the day the shard was supposed to be put to death or the tree was supposed to be destroyed? So my claim is actually interesting. My claim to Ruvain is. It's true you did it, and, and, and I understand you're not chayib damages, but you took away my mitzvah. In other words, it was my mitzvah to make sure the shah is killed. It's my mitzvah to destroy the tree, and you robbed me of a mitzvah. So interestingly, the Gemara says, Desanyo v'shafach v'kisa. The Pasuk says by shechita, right? We know if you shech the chayi, an undomesticated animal, the halacha is you have, you have kisa, then you have to cover the blood. So the Torah juxtaposes v'shafach v'kisa. Shecht, literally spill the blood and cover it. The person who does the shechita has the right, the right to the mitzvah of kisoi hadam. There was once a story of a guy who shechted and then someone else came along and performed the mitzvah of kisoi hadam. And Rabbi Gamliel obligated the guy who did the kisoi, who did the covering of the blood, to pay the, sh- the shechter, to pay the shochet, ultimately 10 gold pieces. So there's a concept in halacha of paying asar zuhuvin, and that concept ultimately is related to the idea that when you deprive someone of a mitzvah, there's almost like an element of damages in that. So in this case over here, someone the shochet checked to the animal, he was ready to do the key, so he, someone else swooped in and did it. So the guy who did it deprived the shochet ultimately of this particular mitzvah. So Begum Liel made the guy pay 10 zuhuvim. So therefore the Gemara says over here, even in this case, I say, Ruben, you, you killed my cat, you killed my 
ox. You, you cut down my tree. Reuven said, yeah, I did it. Your ox is Chayiv Nisa. Your tree is Avodah Zara and it has to be destroyed. So again, it was going to be destroyed anyway. And I say, that's true, but Lamaisa, it was my opportunity. It's my mitzvah. And therefore, again, the Gemara is suggesting that in these kind of cases, in these kind of cases, Halacha Lamaisa, Ultimately, again, you'd be putter because since now what's interesting in these particular cases, why why ultimately again would you be putter? So it seems to be what the Gemara is saying over here is that there's a distinction between a mitzvah saseh, like kisui hadam covering the blood, versus the removal of something that is supposed to be destroyed, like the like the shard that kills someone or the tree of avodah zara. So it seems to be even though it is my obligation, so to speak, to make sure the shard is executed or to go ahead and destroy the Avodah Zarah, Halach if somebody took that opportunity, they're not chayiv to me. Masha'enkein, if I had a positive mitzvah that's upon me, and someone else came in and took that mitzvah, there would be financial liability, so to speak, because they deprived me of the mitzvah. There's a, <coughs> excuse me, a beautiful Mosahaskil in this as well. The beautiful Mosahaskil is like to get to the level where if you are deprived of doing a mitzvah, you feel a loss. Right? If we're honest, sometimes if I have an obligation and the truth is someone else comes along and does it or takes care of it, uh, maybe there's even a, a certain, like, a uh, little bit of relief. You know, I, it's not on me. I don't, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to do it. There's such a, such a beautiful level of feeling not that mitzvos are this awesome responsibility that sits on my shoulders or not something that I have to do, but something ultimately that I want to do. And that manifests itself in, in if you lose the opportunity to do it, I feel a real loss. I feel a real loss. Can you imagine, Chavra, like getting to that level where, you know, I, I miss a minion and I feel a loss. I miss a shear and I feel the loss. I have an opportunity for tzedakah and then the need is taken care of. I feel a loss. To recognize that mitzvahs are the most beautiful and magnificent opportunities that Hashem gives us day in and day out. And when they present themselves, If the opportunity for a mitzvah comes your way, don't let it become chametz. Don't let it sit. Grab it. Grab it. Grab life's opportunities because they're fleeting. And if you miss out on the opportunity to do something beautiful, chaval, what a loss. What a loss. And a loss that Allah recognizes to the point that if someone else takes my opportunity, there could actually be financial liability upon that individual. Incredible Gimar. Let's go weiter. Amar Rav. Rav said as follows. Diklo diton kabo asra If you have a palm tree, that produces a kav of dates, halach lemaisa, one is not permitted to go and cut it down. I will say, now, the logic over here, this is a continuation of the Baltashchis discussion, because if the tree is producing some amount of dates, halach lemaisa, you can't cut it down. <coughs> so the Gemara says, how much does an olive tree have to produce in order for there to be a prohibition of Baltashchis? So rova, so the Gemara says, a quarter of a kav, a quarter of a kav. So now the shaila is, I understand, an olive tree has to only produce a quarter of a kav, and the palm tree has to produce an entire kav. Why the distinction? To which the Gemara says, shiny zayis and the chashivi. Olives are different. Why are olives different? Because they're chashiv. So, <coughs> sorry. So therefore, even a tree, even an olive tree that only produces a quarter kav, ultimately is chashiv. De- and therefore, you can't destroy it. Dates, right? Dates which are less chashiv, only if the tree produces a kav, Ultimately, is there an issue about Tashas? So this is a, this is a pretty, pretty profound Gemara. So you have Rabbi Hanina saying, my son Shivchas, my son Shivchas died, right? Ultimately, the only reason he died is because he cut down a tree 
he cut down a tree ultimately again before it was supposed to be cut down if you take a look um no no rashi yet sorry so i want to say a very a very a very profound a very profound idea over here so what it sounds like is happening over here is rabbi Hanin is bringing uh, an example of the profundity of going ahead and destroying fruit trees so he attributes the the death of his son ultimately to the fact that his son destroyed a, a fruit tree which was producing fruit. Uh, very overwhelming. Mutter. Now both say now here's what's interesting. Because the Baltashkis represents wanton destruction, wanton unnecessary destruction. So there's an interesting case here. Let's say you have a fruit tree, but the wood of the tree is worth more than the fruit itself. In that case, you're allowed to quote unquote destroy the tree, cut down the tree, because it's not considered wasteful. It's not considered wanton destruction. I want the wood because the wood is more valuable than the fruit itself. So that's going to be permitted. I'm Ravina. Ravina says, Ravina. So the Pasik that the Gemara is talking over here. Also tashchis. Remember again, the Israel al tashchis only applies to fruit-bearing trees. If it's not fruit-bearing, then Allah alamayis you're allowed to destroy it. So the Gemara says, so rak eats ma'achal asher teida ze ze ilan ze ilan ma'achal. This refers to a tree that produces fruit. Food. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, kilo eats ma'achalu. If you know that it's not a tree that produces fruit, ze ilan srak. That refers. <coughs> <coughs> that refers to a tree that doesn't produce fruit. Now, since at the end of the day, ultimately, again, the Torah includes everything, right? So remember again, that remember, you are, the Torah says, Remember again, the, the only prohibition to destroy fruit trees is when you don't need to destroy them. If you need to destroy them for military, for military purposes, you're permitted to destroy everything. So the Gemara says, <coughs> After the Torah is going to include everything, meaning that there, if there's a need, you can even cut down fruit trees. So, Ultimately, again, so why does the Torah go ahead and add in the phrase Kilo Machal? So this is very interesting. So the Torah does it in order to go ahead and what? In order to provide Kedimos, precedence, ultimately again to the non fruit tree, ultimately over the fruit tree. In other words, what does this mean? If Halochalamaisa, if Halo Sarashi points out over here, if Halochalamaisa, there's a difference, or you have the choice between cutting down a fruit tree. Let's say you have to cut down a tree, and there are two trees in front. You only need to cut down one, whatever the Mitzvah is. You only need to cut down one. And in front of you, there's a fruit tree and a non-fruit tree. So which one should you cut down? The Ilan Srak. You should cut down the non-fruit tree. Yachal I'm sorry. Tadik Beis, Amadalaf 92a. Says the Imar, Yachal You might have thought that Allah saw that maybe, maybe that the non-fruit tree, <coughs> I'm sorry, takes precedence ultimately over the fruit tree. Even if halacha the fruit tree is more valuable as wood than it is as a fruit tree, tamalomar rak, therefore the Pasuk says rak. So we'll say, so it should come out with here something really very interesting. So halacha there's an issue about tashchis. That's number one, right? So about tashchis says any wanton, unnecessary destruction. That being said, if Allah Chalamais, you need to destroy the trees for the sake of the war effort, you're allowed to do so. What the Torah is telling me is, if I only have to destroy one tree, and it's a choice between a fruit-bearing tree and a non-fruit-bearing tree, destroy the non-fruit-bearing tree. 
However, if the fruit-bearing tree is more valuable as wood than it is as a fruit-bearing tree, then you're allowed to cut down that tree to use the wood. Okay, Shmuel Aisi Le Arise Tamri. So what happens? So Shmuel had a sharecropper, and the sharecropper, remember again, sharecropper shares in the shares in the bounty of the field. He gets some percentage. So Shmuel sharecropper brought him dates. So Achal time Buhu time of the Khamra. So Shmuel ate the dates, and it's interesting, in the date itself, he tasted it like a little bit of wine. Amrali my high. So he said to the sharecropper, What's what's going on over here? Why does why do I taste wine in the dates? He said, because ultimately, again, the date trees, the date trees, the date palms are planted amongst the vines. So apparently, again, they were absorbing some of the flavor. So ultimately, again, so he said, Ultimately, again, he said, so literally Shmuel said, they go ahead and they have such an impact on, on the wine, right? They have such an impact on the wine. He said, tomorrow, bring me their roots. Tomorrow, bring me their roots. So take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, Mikoraihu, Mikor Shalahan, the Ikron, Loshan Acher, Havali Kor Shurach, Shurach Lecha, the Gadol Savu Shrash of Kalomar, Kala Ikara, Mipne Shemafsid, Vinechalasakar. So essentially, what Shmuel was saying is that obviously, if the dates are absorbing the flavor, it must be that the possibility is that they're diminishing ultimately again the, the wine. So he said, uproot, ultimately uproot. Uproot the roots. Uproot the roots, right? So go ahead and what he's saying over here is uproot the date palms, right? Uproot the palm trees so that the palm trees no longer have a negative a negative impact upon the roots. Rav Chista, Chaza Ta'ali Begufna. So Rav Chista once saw again young palm trees that are all again growing amongst the vines. So what happens? Amrli Lari he said to his sharecropper, Akrinhu, Go ahead and uproot the trees. Gufni kani dikli, dikli lo kani gufni. He says, why? Because ultimately, again, vines, apparently, again, if there's like a tension between the vine and the date palm, so the vine has the ability to coexist with the date palm, but ultimately, again, the date palm cannot go ahead and coexist with the vine. Take a look at Rashi. Gufna kani dikli. So what happens? Midmei hayayin yecholin elo liknos karkaos vilo dikli lo kani gufni ein shavachan ola so again, it's interesting. So essentially, he said like this. He said that halacha lemaisa. <coughs> excuse me. He said vines in general are produce grapes, and grapes have a greater value. So may we want to do everything to make sure that the vines are vibrant and healthy. So uproot the palm trees because why? This way again, halacha lemaisa. You could go ahead and sell the wine, and you could always go ahead and buy dates with the proceeds of the wine. Conversely. Dates are not as valuable, so if you're going to diminish the vines, ultimately, again, it's taking a greater financial loss. All right. Incredible. I'll say, good. So now we are all caught up in Mirat Hashem tomorrow. We will start tomorrow, Friday morning. We will start in Mirat Hashem at the Mishnah on Tzadik Beis, Ahmed Aleph. Tremendous. Shkayach, everyone. Really looking forward. Incredible, incredible daf tomorrow. Shkayach and a good Nerev Shabbos.